The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everyone. My name is Mark Miller, and I'm delighted today to be talking with um, some blind and visually impaired potential piano students and or enthusiasts. I want to thank our host, Terry, and our expert in streaming, Belinda, for um, all their technical work. Appreciate that. And uh, today, I'm very excited to, to, to explore the topic, what I call, we're going to do a deep dive into chord patterns and how they help you find melodies exponentially faster by removing the guesswork. We've talked about some chord patterns in previous presentations, but... Um, now I'm going to connect the chord patterns and how they can really help us find melody notes because, you know, every song's melody is unique, but not every song's chord are unique. So let's dive right in. If anyone has any questions, please don't hesitate to raise your hand. I do enjoy questions. Hopefully I can answer them. <laughs> okay, so to set, the, set things up, basically, if we were going to do the C major scale... C major scale is all white notes, right? So we can build a chord on the first note of the C major scale. And we build chords by going every other note of the scale. So if we're on a C, we skip a white note, play a white note, skip a white. So we're going every other note of the C scale, C, E, G. Okay, that's called a C major chord. And most notably, that's called the one chord in the key of C major because it's built on the first note of the scale. If we build a chord on the second note of the scale, D as in dog, remember we build chords by going every other note. So we go D, skip a note, skip a note. And now this is called a two chord because it's built on the second note of the C major scale. It happens to be D minor. You perhaps hear that the one chord, C major, is kind of bright, happy. The two chord is D minor, kind of sad or ominous. Right? The three chord would be E minor. The four chord would be built on F, which would be F major. The five is built on G girl, G major. And the six is built on the sixth note of the scale, A minor. And the seven is built on the seventh note of the scale. In this case, it's called B diminished. Okay. So the important thing to remember is there's gonna be seven chords within every major key or every major scale. There's seven different notes, right? And then it repeats. Okay, so what we need to know is that the most, well, the second most common chord progression in all of music is what's called the one, six, two, five, one progression. Okay, there are literally hundreds of songs that use that chord progression. Okay, so we're kind of reviewing here, but some of you I'm sure are new. So again, so the one chord, no matter what major key I'm in, is always major. The six is always going to be minor. The two chord is minor. And the five chord is always going to be major. Okay, so one and five are major, two and six are minor. That's going to hold true no matter what scale or what key you're in. That's actually very, very powerful 
So let's take a tune like, um, well, maybe try to remember. This is from a musical called um, The Fantastics. It was on Broadway, off Broadway, off, off Broadway for 40 years. And many of you will recognize it, I hope. Okay, so the progression, the chord progression, the harmony for this song is one, six, two, five. Okay, again, that's like the word the in the English language. It's in almost every song. Okay, but today's specific topic is how those, that chord pattern, when you get it second nature, how that will help you find melody notes. Okay, because melody notes uh, jump around a lot and not everyone has, you know, a great ear me included. I don't have a fantastic ear, at least I didn't, uh, but I use my chord knowledge to help me find the melody notes. Okay, so here's an example. So it starts out with the one chord, and this is very important. The melody is almost always part of the chord that you, when you strike the, the melody and the chord together. So in this case, the melody is E. That's part of the C chord. And now the next chord is the sixth chord, in this case, A minor. The melody is part of the chord. Now this is where it really pays off to be thinking, knowing the chord. I know the next chord is two, D minor. So it's gonna be one of, the melody is gonna be one of those three notes, okay? So it, it really reduces the guesswork. I know my chords like my name, C, one, six, two, five, one. And I'm referencing those chord tones help me find the melody. So here we go. This is the one chord, six. Now I can hear the melody is jumping down, but rather than guess, I know it's gonna be one of the notes of the chord I'm playing. In this case, the middle note of D minor. Here's my five chord. Now back to one, it's gonna be one of the notes of that C chord. Now, big jump. Big jumps are hard, but if you know the next chord, A minor, you know it's gonna be either A, C, or E. All right, and here's my two chord, it's gonna be one of those notes. And here's my G chord. Okay, it's gonna be one of those three notes. Okay, well you say, well that's key of C, that's easy. Yeah, because I wanna illustrate this to quote unquote beginners. But let's say I wanted to do that in the key of, oh, I don't know, G flat. G is in girl, G flat. I've never played in this key ever, okay? But I know the chords are gonna be one, six, two, five, back to one. And that gets back to, you've gotta be able to see the scales. I think maybe many of you took lessons as a youngster. I know I did. You saw all these dots on a page, you know. It's like, why am I practicing these scales? Well. If you can't see the scale, so to speak, or in your mind's eye, picture this, the G flat scale, girl flat scale. You have no idea what the sixth note is, right? But if you can picture the scale, you know the sixth note is E flat, A flat is two, and then D flat is five. So that's a really great reason to master your scales amongst other reasons. <laughs> okay, so let me just try this in G flat. And this is how I'm thinking about it. You have to know that Try to remember starts on the third note of the scale you're in. You just have to know that, memorize that. So here we are, here's the one chord in G flat. Now the six I know is E flat minor. So we're gonna be right there. Now, I know the chord's A flat minor, so therefore it's gonna be one of those notes of that chord. 
Okay. Now, if I wasn't thinking chords, I probably would make a mistake there because it's a big jump. But I know that A flat minor is these notes, and therefore I'm going to probably get this right. Now we go to D as in dog, D flat. Back to one. Big jump up, but I know the chord, so it helps me find that note. Whoops. See, I made a mistake. I wasn't thinking. Now here's the two chord. I can see the notes to choose from. And here's my five chord. Here we go. Okay. So I don't think I've ever played it in that key. You can tell I did make one mistake there. But the power of getting those chords like your name will help you find the melody notes. Okay. So that's a pretty tough key. I could never do that 30 years ago, but in teaching for, for decades and thinking about these things. So if we can get that left-hand harmony subordinated, so to speak, second nature, it's going to help us find melodies very much. So let's do another song. And if anyone has any questions, please don't hesitate. So let's do the song more from the movie Mondo Kani. Uh, I'm sure you'll recognize it. Okay, again, this song is one, six, two, five. So let's try it in the key of C. This song starts, the melody starts on the fifth note of the scale. So here we go, one. There's the sixth chord. Okay, the melody's part of that chord. Now this is a big jump downward, but I know the chord, like my name is D minor. So I know it's gonna be one of those three notes. And here's the five chord. Here's the one chord. Six, big jump down, but it's going to be one of the D minor triads notes. Okay, so what's the practical? Well, the practical of this is you're going to make minimal mistakes melodically. You're going to play songs quickly. And if you want to transpose songs, modulate to different keys. Um, I think the big, the big thing is, you know, I can play these songs 20 years from now because I have narrowed them down into one chord pattern and I'm helping to find the melody notes by knowing those chords like my name. Okay. And that's something you don't get classically. I love the classicals, classic pieces now because I can see the chord structure. <laughs> and that's an A minor chord. As a kid, teenager, that was 10 separate notes. Well, it's really just one chord. Broken up. Okay, so if you want to learn how to play the piano quickly, learn chords, first of all, and then the patterns. And there's about four, maybe five patterns in music, believe it or not. And one of the big ones is one, six, two, five, one. Um, some songs that use that progression. I may be repeating myself, but I think maybe we have, maybe we have some new listeners today. You know, today, try to remember more, can't help loving that man, one, six, two. Gosh, you send me. Almost every song from the 50s is 1625. Saving All My Love For You. Whitney Houston, uh, Dream a Little Dream of Me. Uh, one, six, two. Five. 
Silhouettes, the way you look tonight. That's a good one. One, six. How's that one? Hold on. There we go. One, six, two, five, right? One, six, two, five. Okay. Is the whole song one, six, two, five? No, but a large portion of it is, right? So again, we don't have eight hours a day to practice, but we can conceptualize this one, six, two, five pattern, but we have to know our scales in order to see, uh, to know the one, the six, the two, and the five. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I see a student of mine from Maryland just texted something. So are there any questions out there so far? I'm sure it's perfectly clear. <laughs> No, okay. Um, so let's talk about another pattern. This is the most common chord progression in music, and this is what's called the two five one, the two chord, the five chord, and the one. Okay, this is a tune by uh, written by Duke Ellington. It's called Satin Doll. This entire tune, maybe ninety seven percent of it, is the progression two five one. So. If I'm in C, the two chord is D, right? D minor. And the five chord is G. Back to the two chord. Now I'm gonna go up a whole step and do another two five progression. Here's another two five progression. Two five. Okay, so that's half the song right there. Okay, so. The more jazzy the tune composition, the more you're going to see more two five, two five one progressions. Here's another one. Um, Sonny gets blue. This is two five. Here's two five. Okay. Now we go one two three. This is two five two five two five. Two to five. Okay. So, I mean, I took classical lessons from age six to 16, didn't learn any of this, but I found a great jazz teacher at age 20. And um, he's really the reason I play and teach uh, all around the world. Okay. But again, it's all about patterns, and you don't learn patterns when you are taught classically. It's dots on a page, <laughs> which uh, are actually chords being broken up, but you're typically not shown the or taught you know the name of those chords so you're thinking 100 notes when in fact it's really just one chord another chord uh, back to the same chord okay so it's just a higher level of uh, intellectual understanding basically we have a hand raised tyan oh, good you may unmute tyan Hi, Diane. Hi, Diane. Hi. Um, so I can't wait for today, but anyway, um, my question is: You teach that way? Do you teach the other way, where if you know the melody, you can figure out the chords? Hmm, that's a good question. Okay, let me think about that one. Well, oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Yes. So you could say, okay, I know the melody. 
Right, but you have to know what key you're in, right? And you have to know what the starting note is, but let's think about that. Yeah, you could reverse, that's good. You could reverse the thinking. You could say, okay, my melody is E, Edward. What chord, brilliant, what chord in the C scale has an E in it? Well, C does. E minor does a, has an E. And A minor, all right? So yeah, you could do it that way again, but you have to know the scale, right? You've got to be able to see the notes in the scale. You got to see the notes of the chord too. But yeah, you could do that. You say, okay, I'm in C. I'm going to try this one. Now, this one has a, this is the, another chord. It has an E in it. Okay, it's one of those three. There's only two chords that have an F in it. It's either D minor, right? Or the F. So yeah, that's a good way to yeah, kind of reverse the, uh, the thinking, so to speak. Very interesting. But a lot of students, for example, they'll play happy birthday and they'll maybe start on middle C. And they think they're in C, but they're really not. Mm -hmm. right, you got to be flat there. You have to know, figure out, eventually learn that happy birthday starts on the fifth note of the scale. So when you start on middle C, you're really playing happy birthday in the key of F because mm -hmm. C is the fifth note of F. So yeah, I kind of digress perhaps, but yeah, you could do, you could figure out the chords if you knew the melody strongly. Yeah. And if you knew what key you're in, you have to know what key you're in. Right. But the consistent part is the one, the four and the five will be major regardless of the key you're in. Two times three is six, two, three and six chords will always be minor. So that's an always statement and a very powerful one. Actually. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> Yeah, so to your point, Tyann, yeah, some people, their strength is, you know, picking out the melodies. Absolutely. So, again, if you know what key you're in, then you know, that's a very good point, actually, yeah. Then you know it's going to be one of these seven chords. All right? And if you can picture that scale, then you know one and four and five are always going to be major. Two, three, and six will always be minor. Okay? So... For example, if you were going to do the song Happy Birthday, you can pretty much harmonize any song using what's called the primary chords, which is the one, the four, and the five chords. Right? That's kind of the foundation for harmonizing any song. So if I'm doing Happy Birthday, uh, to your point, I know that the melody is B-boy. The only chord that has a B-boy in it is the G. Right? So I'm strong on the melody, perhaps. Here's... C melody coming up, it's either going to be C chord or F chord. Of course, you'll hear it. That melody there outlined the chord to use. Right? This, the melody is the notes of the C major chord. So here's my F chord, which will inform me of what note to, to go up to, which is F. My melody is E. What chord of the primary chords, 1, 4, and 5, has an E in it? C, it's the only one. What chord has a D in it? Well, that would be the five chord. So yeah, play to, play to the student's uh, strength, right? If they have a really good ear, okay, what, what is that chord uh, that has that belly note in it? And vice versa. If I know the chord, then, then um, I can find the my, my friend Julia is in the room physically with me and she has a question. Okay. Hi, Julia. Hi. So when you say that 
one and oh my gosh, I don't even remember the notes now, but sure, one, one four and five, one four and five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one is major, but yes. if you're if you're talking about in a minor, like in the key of A minor, then wouldn't one be minor? Oh, excellent point. Yes, we're only talking about major keys right now, but if we were playing in a minor key, it's a whole different set. One is minor, absolutely. Two is diminished, etc. Yeah, it's a it's a quite a bit different set. But yes, yeah, so there's a set of seven chords for the major scales, and that's what I'm referring to. But if I'm if you're in minor, there's a different uh, quality of chord for each one. One is minor, two is diminished, etc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are there seven scales? Well, there's seven notes in each scale. Right, but there's but are, are there scales devoted to seventh chords. Oh, devoted to. Good question. So if I'm got the one chord in the key of um, answer your question, yes. You can play I'm I'm teaching the three note chords for simplicity. But the one chord in the key of C is C major triad. But if we extend it by going every other note and play four notes, that's C major seven. It's still major, but it's got more color, right? So there's a slight difference if we add the fourth note. One chord is always major, major triad or major seven. Two is minor, triad or minor seven. It doesn't change, still minor, just a little more colorful. Three is minor, and then add this extra note. We have E minor seven, still minor. F is major seven, right, or major triad. This is the one that changes. The G, the five chord, if you play a three note, it's a major triad. But if you add the fourth note, remember going every other note of the scale, that changes the chord to be a dominant chord. Okay, so five is a dominant chord if you're doing four notes. Okay, six is minor, stays minor, it's minor seven. And then seven is what they call a half diminished or a minor seven flat five. So yeah, the basic quality stays the same. One and four are major. Two, three, and six are minor, but the five chord, when you add the fourth note, is a dominant chord, it changes quality. But absolutely, yeah, that's just, uh, for illustration, I wanted to do just triads, but absolutely, you know, you're gonna do four notes, chords, five note chords, ninths, right? Sharp 11s, etc. Okay, thank you. Okay, you're welcome, you're welcome. So yeah, the one, six, two, five, one progression, uh, whether you're playing three notes, basically stays the same. If I'm playing four notes, it's still a major chord, a minor chord, a minor chord, but the five chord does change now uh, to become a dominant, which is of course what we want. It's more full sounding, right? Okay, so to kind of review, two, five, one is the most common progression. And one, six, two, five, one is the second most common chord progression in music. Notice one, six, two, five, one contains the two, five, one progression, right? So in that sense, uh, that's why it's the second most <laughs> common chord progression. So let's go, let's see if I can play satin down in a different key. Um, let's see, how about an F, uh, G flat? That's pretty tough. Okay, so it starts on the two chord and it's the five. It's a little low. 
I've never played it in this, so bear with me. So this is two, five, go up a whole step. Wow, it's very powerful. Again, sunny gets blue, satin down, misty. Misty is very much two, five. This is two in the key of C. This is five. And then we're to one. Now we're going to do a two, five, one again. We're changing keys, but it's still two, five, one. Here's another two, five. There's a two, five. Ah, and then guess what? We go back to one, six, two to five, one. Okay. So again, as a piano student from age six to 16, I was never taught these patterns. Found a jazz teacher and, um, you know, you need to, you really need to find a teacher that teaches chords because that's the quickest way to get a biggest, biggest sound. I mean, to play three notes in the left hand, triad, three note chord with a melody in the right. The first lesson or two, that's huge. <laughs> right? We want to get a big sound as quickly as possible. Classically, to play four notes simultaneously, you're talking months. We don't have months. That's why I believe millions of people have tried to play the piano. And unless they're learning their chords, uh, they're playing these dots, and it's a very long road, right? You want to be playing songs that you know and love, not necessarily uh, for release, but you know, nothing wrong with for release. It just takes months, <laughs> right? So that's uh, my philosophy, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> okay, I could never make a living playing and teaching playing playing classically. There's far better classical players out there than I, but people want to hear you know songs they know. So two five one, the most common chord progression. One six two five one, the second most common. So I have my students do that in all the different keys. Let's say we're in the key of G girl. Okay, so I have them do a drill. One's always major, G major seven. Two's always minor, A minor seven. Three's always minor, B minor seven. Four's always major. All right, five's always dominant. Six is always minor, and the seven is always minor, seven flat five. Okay, so again, one and four are always major. Two times three is six. Two, three, and six are minor. Five is dominant, and seven is a minor seven flat five. But to your, your question earlier, Julia, yeah, if you're in a minor key, then there's a different set. Okay, one is minor, major seven. Two is a minor seven flat five. Three is a major seven with a raised fifth. It's kind of funky. So when I teach the, the minor diatonics, the seven chords in the minor scale, I really just focus on the one, the two, five, and the one. Okay, so this is, the five is always dominant, by the way, whether you're in a major scale or a minor, okay? Uh, the two is slightly different in the minor scale than the major. But those are, for example, this is two in C major to five to one to four 
here, we're going to go two of the relative minor. Right? We're modulating to A minor, and here's the five. So the one in A minor. Now we're back to the major. Okay. Perhaps some of you know there's a relative minor scale or key for every major. So if I'm in C major, if we go down three half steps, that's what's called the relative minor scale. So a lot of songs will modulate from the major key, in this case, C, Charlie, to the relative minor. You can hear it's getting darker. Yeah, there's two different sets of seven chords. There's a set for the majors and a different set for the minors. But the minors, again, I just teach the one, excuse me, the two, five, one in the minor because that's really often all you're going to play in a minor key. Okay. If I'm going too fast for some people, just let me know. <laughs> I've been doing this for decades. But, um, yeah, it's all about the pattern. Yeah. Now there's another pattern in music. It's called the diatonic pattern or diatonic movement. And all that means is you're going right down the scale. For example, uh, the song Love and You. is simply going right down the scale. Uh, four chord, three chord, the two chord, and the one chord. That's like the whole song. So that's a real good song, a uh, fun way to reinforce the diatonics. Let's do a different key. How about the key of, uh, I don't know, maybe E. Let's do the four chord E would be, give me a second here. Okay, so that's the seven of the four. Give me a second. So that would be, there it is. four chord, three chord, which I know is minor, two is minor, one is major. Oops. Okay, I made a mistake there. Proof that I've never played it in that key before. <laughs> okay, but that's pretty powerful to be able to play a song uh, you know, pretty much on the spot. But again, it's I'm thinking, a lot of thinking, four, three, two, one. And I got to know that scale. Four, three, two, one. All right. Four, three, two, one. Four, three, two, one. Okay. So you've got this pattern. Two, five, one is the most common. And that's really prevalent in jazz, in the jazz genre. And then you've got one six two five one, which is very prevalent in the fifties and popular music. Uh, not so much rock and roll. And then you've got this um, diatonic, which is basically right down or up the scale. A song that's also very diatonic is um, like Matchmaker from Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. 
So that is a, instead of going down, four, three, two, one basically goes up one, two, three, four. So it'll be um, in C. That's the one, two, the three, to four, and then back to one, two, three, four, one, two, three. Changes there, and then it goes two, five, one. Okay, so let's say I had a beginning student. Well, I'll put all the songs and we'll do them all in the key of C. So we know we're going to be playing all white notes, right? That makes it relatively easy. But it's not just put your finger here. It's not wrote. It's you're going to know that the one in, is major. The two is minor. Three is minor. The four major. Right? So you get the quality of the chord by knowing that uh, one and four are major. Two, three, and six are minor. One. Oops. Hold on. One. It's two. There's another one. Two. Three. Four. One. Two. Three. There's a two, five, one. Two. Five, one. Okay. So you got to know that it starts on the fifth note of the scale. Though. Let's try it in A flat. Here we go. Whoa. This is one. Nice rich key. Two. Three, four, one, two, three, four, one. Here's my two. Okay, so the more I teach and play, the more everything really comes back to the scales. And it's really not so much about dexterity. I mean, that's important. You have to have a certain facility on the piano. It's really more about can you name the sixth note of the A flat scale? And if you can, well, then we know six is minor. Right? Can you name the three, third note of the D flat scale? Okay, three is minor, so it's F minor. Right? So I get a lot of students from other teachers, and they might be able to play their scales. But it's just a rote muscle thing. I'll say, well, what's the sixth note of the D flat? You know, D is in dog flat. E flat scale, and they'll be like, I don't know, I just do this. Right? They're never taught or thought, they never think to, to think of it as a Roman numeral or a number in the, in the scale because they're not taught basically chords and patterns. Right? So it's one thing to be able to just, it's another to go, okay, what's the fifth, the five chord in the key of D flat? Okay, I can picture the scale in my mind's eye. It's A flat, and I know the five is dominant. Therefore, it's A flat seven. And by the way, certain chords always move to other chords. Typically, the five chord, I'll go back to the key of C, five. You can hear that tension. The five chord almost always goes to one. It's just the way it functions. So if I did happy birthday, you'll hear it. It's I mean, I could never end with that chord. That means that demands resolution, right? To home, to one. So another little trick that professionals know is when you play a dominant chord, in this case, a five chord, that's going to resolve to one. So anytime I see a G dominant seven, G is in girl, G dominant seven in a song, I know I'm going 
home to one major, right? Tension, resolution. Okay. So that kind of can push us toward this idea of, if I know that the dominant chord, in this case, G7, G7 flat nine, typically wants to go down a fifth, G to C, girl, to Charlie. Then in jazz, or not jazz, in arranging in general, if I know I have a chord I absolutely want, for example, that chord, that second chord is D minor. That's C major. Right? Everyone plays D minor, some form of D minor for the second chord. Okay, so as a jazz pianist arranger, I'm saying, okay, I want D minor. What is the strongest pulling chord that absolutely must resolve to D minor? Well, if you know the scale, if D minor is what I'll call a temporary one, a target chord, then its respective five chord would be based on the fifth note of the D scale. In this case, it would be alpha, alpha dominant seven. So if I want to put in, a, insert a new harmony, I know alpha dominant seven must, it demands resolution down a fifth to D minor, to a D chord, in this case, D minor. So I could try and put in an A7. Wow, and that absolutely must go to, sounds very logical because A7 demands resolution because of its tension to a D chord. So that's a way of what I call I'm writing a book, and one of the chapters is what I call chord insertion. In other words, let's put a chord in between two other chords for more color. That's nice. Okay. And the theory behind that is I know I want a D minor chord. What's the strongest pulling chord to D minor? Well, well I know that five wants to go to one. I know five is dominant, so there's my answer. It works with the melody. It won't always work with the melody, but 90% of the time it does. And then we've got this D minor. Now I'm going back to C, so what's the five of C? The five of C is G. So, you know, that's typically in the music, but the A7 chord is not usually in every arrangement. And that's a nice sound, right? So you could think of a five going to one as two has a value from two purposes. One is if I'm playing a five chord, I know where it's going to go. So that helps me tremendously in terms of memorization. G dominant will go to a C chord almost all the time. But if I'm arranging, let's say I buy a fake book, uh, don't know if everyone knows what a fake book is, but it's basically a compilation of five or 600 songs. And it's a melody and then a chord symbol above it. Right? So you buy a fake book and it's a you know, B, B plus quality. They're pretty good chords, but they're not great chords. But to come back to my point, if you understand that a dominant chord wants to go resolve down a fifth, then you take your fake book arrangement or any piece of sheet music and you see a 
the D chord, you know you can try an A dominant to precede it. So it's a way of uh, inserting or adding color, but also a way of knowing, hey, if I'm playing A7, it's gonna go to some kind of D chord. So right away, I know the next chord. I don't have to play the song a million times. I know a dominant chord is gonna go down a fifth, typically to major, but it can go to minor. But it almost always goes down a fifth, five to one, they call it. And that's why the two, five, one progression is the most common because five goes to one. That's just, that's just, right? That was five to one. It's everywhere, all Western civilization music, right? Any questions? I feel like I'm doing all the talking. I guess that's okay. <laughs> but I like questions. No hands are raised yet. Oh, okay. No worries. All right. I'm going to go get some coffee. I'll be back in 10 seconds. Just kidding. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I noticed, I think a couple of my students uh, uh, chimed in. I think I saw Pamela Carolyn. Is she, is she out there? Anyway. Um, yeah. So that's, so it's all about patterns. And again, I've restated this in previous presentations, but you know, when we first learned to, to read, we learned maybe Dr. Seuss. We learned the word cat. Sat, rat, bat, fat, right? So we change one letter and we get a whole new word. So that's the way I teach from get-go from the, from the first lesson. Regardless of your level, I'll teach the C major chord, all white, F major, all white, G major, all white. Okay, and then I'll go to group two, sharp in the middle. Again, patterns. Group three is Oreo cookies. Again, patterns. Group four, there's no common color characteristic, unfortunately. F sharp, B, and B flat. Okay, so the student gets the major triads, all 12 of them. And then we just change one note, the middle note of C major, and we get C minor. Okay, we don't think, oh, it's two half steps and then three half steps. No, all you do is memorize the majors. And then we pick up three more types of triads by just moving one note. So it's C major. Move the middle note down a half step. We get minor, F major, F minor. G major, G minor. Group two, sharp in the middle. Here we go, D major, D minor, E major, E minor, A major, A minor. Okay, let's do augmented. So we're gonna base it off the majors because they're gonna be like your name. That's the foundation, really. That's the, really the starting point. So here we go, C major. And now we're going to do augmented. Well, why is it called augmented? Because if you augment your income, you take a second job, you increase your income. So we're increasing the span from the root C to the fifth G. We're increasing it, moving the, the top note up by half step. So C major, it's called C augmented. A lot of songs use that, for example. There it is. Do it again. Oh, look at this. This is six, two to five. Six, two to five, two, one. Okay, so that's a very patterned 
movement where you're going from the major, just moving up your thumb, moving your thumb up a half step, and then another half, another half. Okay, so depending upon the student of the level, level of the student, whether they're you know visually impaired or blind, I'm looking for chord patterns perhaps that are minimal movement, right? That's another subset of, um, you know, a way to teach, so to speak, right? This is pretty easy. From a dexterity standpoint, I'm just moving my thumb up. Now here's F major. I'm just moving my thumb up and down, right? So uh, that would be a pretty easy tune to teach a beginner, so to speak, okay? So I digress. So we do the majors, the minors, the augmenteds. And then if we take a major triad and we change the, the middle note, the third of the chord, up a half, we get what's called a suspended fourth. So again, just one note change. So you get majors, you get a minor, an augmented, and a sus four chord by changing one note. And then there's one more triad, and that's a diminished. And diminished is the opposite side of the coin of augmented. Augmented, you're expanding the, the distance of the lowest note to the highest note. I'm playing this with my left hand. So I'm raising my top note with my thumb. And diminished is the opposite side of the coin. We're actually shrinking the, the span. We're taking the top two notes and we're moving them to the left, down a half step each. Okay, it's a very dark sounding chord. Diminished. This is the chord they use right in the silent films when the, the woman is uh, strapped to the, uh, uh, the, the rail and the train's going, right? All that. Those are all diminished chords, right? So each type of chord has a, a quality. Majors tend to be uh, bright, right? Minors are rich, if you will. Dominants are got this tension. They need resolution. And then the diminished is very ominous, very sinister. Right? Portends some problem or right? some something very sinister. Okay, so that's the way the ear, ear comes in, which is hmm, interesting. Take me to. If anyone goes to my website, it's pian uh, blindpianolessons.com. By the way, uh, my daughter's doing my website, and hopefully we've got made it more accessible. She just uh, put in a plug-in called accessibility. So I believe um, you, know, you can change the contrast. You can change the background to black and the text to white, vice versa. So... Um, I know ADA, I believe, is a statute, is a law, and so we're trying to make it, uh, you know, as easy as possible for blind and visually impaired students when they hit the site. Uh, so, if any of you have any comments on how we can improve the site, I would welcome them tremendously. Thank you. Again, it's blindpianolessons.com. And uh, what was my point there? Yeah. So basically, um, I think Jaws and other you know, other programs can read the text, but maybe someone who has low vision uh, could, you know, obviously benefit from different contrasts or what have you. So any comments, positive or negative, would be helpful to go to blindpianolessons.com. And I should mention that, um, you know, everyone who listens to this presentation or who hears about this 
I do offer a free 30 minute, no obligation lesson. You know, it's very easy. I just call you on the phone, speaker phone or headset or on Skype and uh, anywhere in the world. And uh, talk about you know, what you want to learn, what are your strengths, how I teach. Um, you know, they did a survey of adults in America and they asked them what one thing you always wanted to do. And you know, they didn't say sports, theater, music. And the number one answer, play the piano. But in my opinion, humble opinion, <laughs> millions of people have tried to play the piano and they were not taught chords. Uh, if you look at the popularity of guitar, I think that's a very popular instrument because you're strumming, you're, make, you're playing chords from day one. You know, you're learning a couple of chords a week, whatever. You're getting a sound quickly, right? But if you're just playing... Or, oh, I don't even know, Mary had a little M. <laughs> right? Or right, if you're playing simple, trite songs that you aren't interested in, of course you're not going to have that much interest in, in uh, taking lessons. So it's really all about the teacher. If I had not found a great jazz teacher at age 20, I would not be in music, that's for certain. So quick story, I went to Grand Cayman Island, I was 23. And um, the guitar player was from Berkeley, really good jazz guitar player. And I knew my chords. I could improvise a bit. I was classically trained, so I could uh, sight read. But I could not play one song from memory. What? I started when I was six. I know. Oh, my I mean, God. I like Mark and everything, but I don't want to hear his story 15 times every week. Oh, okay. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. I don't know who's listening. I can't uh, see you know names on my screen here. So, yeah, just tell me that, please. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't no, know. no, that's okay. <laughs> I don't. I I know Belinda and I know Terry are listening, so to speak. But I don't know who's out there. I guess I should maybe learn that, or you can just tell me. I won't be offended. I again, I don't know who's who's new and who isn't. <laughs> that's the problem. So, okay, enough about me. How about you? We do have a raised <laughs> hand. Also. Okay, please. So, yes, please. Okay, um, five seven one area code. Yeah. Hello. How are you again? This is Hi. Pam. Um, Hi, Pam. Hi, how are you doing? Hi. Uh, could you tell me again what the diminished chords were again, the way you sure. did the diminished ones? Sure. I'd be happy to do that. Thank you, Pam. Yeah. So basically the way I teach it is you would play C major, all white notes. And then you lower the middle and top note. I'm playing this with my left hand, by the way. Okay. Typically we play the chords with our left hand. We play the melody with our right. So here's C major, and then if I move my top highest note and my middle note down a half step each, to the left, a half step each, I get what's called diminished. And that is uh, indicated by, a, uh, in the chord symbol would be C, capital C, and then D-I-M, or diminished, uh, or C little circle, like a degree symbol. So a little degree symbol or D-I-M indicates diminished. And that's how you form it. And you can hear how dark sounding that is, right? <laughs> so the drill I have students do is C major, C diminished, F major, F diminished. Again, you get your 12 majors like your name, and you pick up the other, what is it, 48? The other 48 triads by just basically moving one note. Exception being the diminished, you have to move two. Did that answer your question, perhaps? <laughs> Yeah, 
Yeah, that answered my question. Thanks. Oh, you're more than welcome. Absolutely. Sorry, did someone say something? I have lost contact here. Hold on. Uh, my connection by my headset is a little bit tenuous. Did someone say something or no? Yeah, hi. This is Nate from Maryland. I accidentally oh. disconnected. Oh. I, uh, uh, hi, maybe Nate. you just said, yeah, hi. Uh, what do you, how long are your lessons? And sure. What do you charge? Sure. Well, um, most students take an hour lesson, uh, an hour every other week. Okay. Which gives them plenty of time to, um, to practice. Uh, I have a few students who take weekly hours. Um, I haven't really pretty much, um, you know, any, any plan to meet any budget. Some students take what I call flex lessons, whereby they pay for two or three lessons up front, and then they pick the frequency, whether it's once a month, once every two weeks, once every week, and then take off a month, whatever. You know, the onus is on them, but they've paid for the lessons, and we, you know, they schedule one out three weeks from now. We take that one, and they decide, okay, I want to take in two weeks. Those are flex lessons. And then I've recently started doing what I call buddy lessons, where you and the best friend or relative, what have you, uh, two or three people take at one time. Of course, the rate goes down there. So if you go to my website, you know, I'd be happy to, to email you all the different pricings and what have you. But know that the tuition includes um, access to one of the largest instructional libraries. I have 500 audio podcasts, instructional audio podcasts, 400 video instructional videos and tuition includes 24 seven. Um, well, my daughter just corrected me on this. Basically, if you, you can, you can text me any questions and I'll respond within 24 hours. So if you're at the piano and you have a question about a chord, um, et cetera. Right. So, uh, if you email me, I'm happy to send you all the details pricing wise. You know, I don't okay, want to look at your web. Yeah, no. Thank you. Yeah. I just yeah. mentioned, Nate from Maryland. I'll, I'll remember you, obviously. Yeah. Yep. Have you played before? <laughs> Sorry. Well, as a kid, I took classical and despised it. Mm. And when I was 19, I took lessons with a jazz pianist. And he, he did mostly chords. But unfortunately, mm -hmm. I only did that a year. And then I had to go off to school. I sure. never really followed up. Sure. But at this I understand point, that. Um, I uh, still, so I liked it. Um, yeah. Yeah. In a short period of time, when you know chords, you could do a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. And I always stress, you know, our strength is our, our you know, our, our mind. We don't necessarily have eight hours a day to practice, right? Uh, and the last thing to atrophy in the human body is the fingers. Nate, excuse me, Nate. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you, UB Blake played till he was 101, right? Marion McPartland into her 90s, et cetera. So, um, you know, it's, it's a great mental exercise also. It's better than Sudoku or crossword puzzles or what have you. So hopefully I'll be rocking them out at, in the nursing home if I make it there. <laughs> but yeah, just fill out the contact page, yeah. please. Yeah, I'll send you more details. Yeah. In fact, my son used to go to the nursing home and play. Yeah. Really? No. Oh. Yep. Nice. That was community service, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. My mom was in a nursing home for a couple of years. And one day I came in, they had a grand, a nice grand piano in the lobby. I just started playing and 
I'm not exaggerating, 15, 20 people were standing around within a half hour singing, you know, five foot two and all the great sing-alongs. It's a great, great social magnet as well as, you know, great therapy, et cetera, et cetera. So absolutely. Yep. Yes. So, yeah, you don't okay, need a grand piano. Sure. You're welcome. Nate. Thank you for the question. Yeah. So I don't know how to get around repeating myself, I guess, uh, Maybe someone has a suggestion out there. Again, I don't see the names, although three weeks ago when I first got on ACB, I did see a chat and it showed like 12 boxes and it showed these, you know, these uh, first names. I'm like, hmm, how do I see that now? And I, again, I don't know how to do that. I'm not sure it's necessary, but I do appreciate someone saying, yeah, we know all about you, Mark. <laughs> again, not everyone. Hopefully there's a few new ones on here today, but uh, I tried to mix it up in terms of, I know we talked about chords before, chord patterns, but today was, uh, you know, it was new. It was all about how the chord can help you find, uh, at least that was my intent, how the chord can help you find the melody notes. And that's, it might sound, might sound um, like it's obvious, but it really isn't. Because if you're playing in G flat, hold up. got to really know what that next chord is in order to find the right melody note in my opinion unless you have perfect pitch <laughs> which is great if you do <laughs> so yeah this is Nate again can you please explain how let's say your lessons differ from let's say Dan Brown's lessons which I did not like at all I couldn't yeah yeah tell me the mind. tell me the name please I heard that name what's the name oh, again the Bill Brown Bill Brown I'm sorry Bill Brown he has uh, recorded lessons. He does a, a bunch of musical instruments on the National Library Service for the blind. Okay. And he National. just tells you to play note by note. Mm -hmm. And that's not how I want to play the piano. I want to be able to sit down and improvise mm -hmm. uh, using chords. And sure. Yeah. Well, I've heard. Thank you. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, thank you for that. I've heard of his name and I know a little bit about him, but thank you for, you know, re-enlightening me. Yeah, uh, if you go to my website, I offer different ways. One way is to say, okay, here is the melody. E, B, 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 C, B, A. Nice and slow. And you'll see that. That's what I call you know, audio. And I know others are probably doing that. But another way I offer is to type out in text form E, B, 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 right? So if you have Jaws or VoiceOver or whatever it's called, right, it'll read out loud the, literally the letters, right? Um, again, that's perhaps not unique, but I do offer both of those. But um, my big thing is what I call learning theory, and I spell it T-H-E-A-R, as in the part of the human anatomy here, theory, T-H-E-A-R-Y, okay? And a lot of, I think Bill Brown and a lot of other piano teachers they're like, oh, okay, I'm teaching someone blind. Uh, you're going to learn to play by ear. Well, to me, it's let's play by theory, 70, 75% by theory, chord patterns, and that 25% by ear. Because again, if you understand the chords, that will inform you as to where the melody note is. So uh, I can't stress enough how powerful that is. But to answer your question, yeah, I teach many different ways. One is I'll literally say an audio file. And I'll talk about the piano, you know, the chord E minor. Drop the pinky a half step. Yeah. It's a pattern, what I called, 
call it four minors in a row. You start with a minor chord and you drop the pinky finger in the left hand down by half step, right? All these different songs use that pattern. So again, I'm trying to uh, subordinate or relegate that left hand chord pattern to very simple minimal movement. And then we can focus on the melody, whether you have an ear, whether you're listening to me say the letters out loud, whether you're, you know, embossing it into Braille, right? I have my own, I'm developing a system that's uh, my own, so I'll call it the Mark Fuller Braille system. But, you know, Braille, mm -hmm. um, Louis Braille was, a, was an organist. And to my knowledge, Braille and musical notation Braille are so, like apples and oranges. I'm like, come on, Louis, let's make it easier. So very quickly, my system, a capital letter would indicate uh, a quarter note. And then a lowercase b, boy, would indicate an eighth note. Okay, so I'm developing that as well. So, yeah, um, but I don't know how much Bill Brown stresses chord patterns, but to me, that's the key to playing quickly. So mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that. And how do we recorded lessons supplement what you're teaching us? Are they individual songs or is it more theory? Sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, again, I, like I said, I have 400 uh, audio, excuse me, 400 video instructional, they're links that I put in an uh, email to you. And if you go to my main site, pianoweb.com, uh, or if you go blind to piano blind piano lessons, I think there's a link on the bottom of that page. But the main my main site is piano web, one word. And if you go there, you'll see I have three rectangular, colorful blocks. One says, you know, 500 audio podcasts. The next says 5,500 arrangements, and the third is these instructional videos. So if you click on the link, then you can see um, you know all of these uh, video instructional links, whether it's Misty, or if it's learning intervals, or if it's learning the diatonics, one's major, two's minor, whether it's songs, right? Over 400 of them. And I'm always doing new ones. So if you say, Mark, I want to play Body and Soul. If it's not on the video list, I know, I'll do one specifically for you. And basically that video is, I'll play the arrangement. Slowly, so you know how the final product will sound. And then I go back measure by measure, and I talk about the chords very slowly. And if you, if it's on YouTube, which it is, you can slow down the speed and it doesn't lose the, uh, the tone. It's amazing. So you can you know, play it back at 75%, 50%. And uh, it's quite amazing, I think. It doesn't really lose pitch. So no matter how fast I'm talking in a video, you can slow it down. And uh, that's another thing I offer. I do offer like, you know, video subscription. You know, you can purchase three, three to five um, videos, you know, I have a sale this month, five videos for a hundred bucks, for a hundred dollars, it's normally three videos. But the best value is really to do the real time because I'll throw in three or four, five, whatever it takes uh, videos on you know, scales, chords, songs, theory, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I get a fair amount of people who say, you know, can I just purchase your videos? But no matter how good, and I'll stop talking, no matter how good I do a video, most people are going to probably have a question or two. And so what do you do? Well, that's the problem with strictly teaching through videos, I think, right? You can go to the piano guy and lots of people, oh, buy my set of videos. Yeah, well, depending upon your background, there's certain things that can be taught or said that you just don't understand. You hit a wall and you're like, well, what do I do? Well, in my case, I'm right there. You can talk to me or text me every week or every other week. So I hope that answered some of your questions. But yeah, just go to 
playing piano lessons. I'll get right down back to you on all the details. We can talk further, whatever. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, this is my passion. So uh, I'm a, you know, it's not just about my living. It's uh, it's so rewarding. I know I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. Nothing's more rewarding than to bring music to to people's lives who wouldn't think they could play. I just got a call from a lady in Los Angeles this morning. She's like, "I'm blind. Do you really think you can teach me?" I'm like, "Absolutely. Well, let's talk." So, some of the best jazz pianists in the world, right? Stevie Wonder, George hmm? Shearing, right? Lenny Tristano, Art Tatum. I just found out Art Tatum was 90% blind in one eye and 100% in the other eye. Greatest, arguably the greatest jazz pianist ever. So it is an oral art. You can, but it's all about motivating you. What's going to motivate you? Is it boogie woogie? Which, by the way, is a very, very, very patterned left hand. It's it's quite uh, it's quite easy, and of course, it's very infectious. Fun stuff. <laughs> Didn't even talk about blues and boogie woogie. Yeah, so. Don't be surprised if I reach out to you. Oh, good. I'm, I would like that very much. Actually, you would be my third student in Maryland, <laughs> believe it or not. I don't know. Maybe Maryland's very cultured. I don't know. It's pretty cool. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Of course. Why, of course. Yeah. So you took as you took how many years did you take as a as a as a youngster? Nate? Oh, I can't hear. But it was like probably three or four years of torture. <laughs> you know, of torture. Something was Something with Aunt Rody. I you know, things like that. I despise that with a vengeance. Oh my gosh. And, uh, Say that again. 19, go <laughs> something with it. I don't know. You know, we played also the Furalese. Mm -hmm. But when I was nineteen and this is eons ago. Yeah, some yeah. close to retirement retirement. Hopefully uh -huh. when I don't have to worry about work, I have more time to play at the piano. Sure. So, yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great avocation profession to be able to do, right? What was I going to say? Something yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, there's a, yeah, there's a book written by a gentleman from France. He came to America and he wrote this book and the title is so telling. He said, um, the title of the book is how to play the piano despite years of lessons. And so I read it, and the foreword is just great. He, you know, he came to America, and he saw all these pianos in these living rooms, these beautiful pianos, and they're just, you know, they're places to put photographs, you know, from the family. No one's really playing. He's like, what's wrong with this picture? And, you know, to paraphrase a whole book, he said, it's because they're not learning chords. They're not learning popular songs, patterns, et cetera, et cetera, you know? And so I thought that was very, uh, very clever title, How to Play the Piano Despite Years of Lessons. And to your point, Nate, you despised it, not disliked it. You despised it. I'm like, that's terrible. It should be fun, right? <laughs> In theory, yeah. Uh, but you know, my, my mother made me go. So there you go. I went. I went. I practiced. No. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if it's not fun, I won't do it. But it can be fun. And it can that's be what fun. I want to get. Yeah. Yeah. We have a hand yeah. raised. Oh, good. Thank Pam. you. Pam. Thank you for that. Thank you for those comments, Nate. You're welcome. Hi, Pam. Yeah, hello to you again. Hi. Hi, Mark is your name? Um, yes. I, okay. <laughs> um, it's interesting how you said, like, um, the, uh, the the matrix are, like, 
done in triads. And I guess the minors are done too. The minor chords are done too. That way. Yeah, say that one more time. I got most of it. Yeah, the minors, are, the majors are done. The chords are done in triads, like you were saying. Yes, there's and, major um, triads and yeah, major triads and minor triads. But there's also major four note chords. There's major five note chords. There's major six note chords. Right, but the 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 very minimum to, to constitute or to denote to be a quote chord three or more notes. So the very minimum you have to play for a chord is three notes. But there's major triads, there's minor triads, there's five types of triads, five types of three note chords. Oh goodness. <laughs> oh, oh goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, oh goodness. <laughs> and um oh and um that's interesting. You're making a, a notation um for like um braille music is really I think kind of um a lot to learn in braille music, and um, I know a little bit about print music. Um, print music. I have um, some sight, not very little, but anyway, I think um, print music is even less complicated than braille music. Mm. <laughs> so it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, to me, I have a ten-year-old student. Uh, she's completely blind. Louise here in Chicago, and she comes to my house. Takes an hour lesson every other week. She's just a joy to teach. She's like a sponge. She can read 150 uh, words a minute in Braille, but musical Braille she has not learned. So I'm like, how do I get her, you know, uh, to try my system? So we actually, I went to her grandparents' house and gave her the letters of Chim Chim Cheree. I think the word is emboss. They became Braille. And again, my system is a capital letter E would be a quarter note. And then the lowercase letter is an eighth note. So it's one and two and three. So it'll be capital E, lowercase two Bs, right? Uppercase B, uppercase B, lowercase Bs, right? Uppercase, 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 right? So the most common duration notes are quarter notes and eighth notes. And then in terms of a dotted half or a dotted whole, we could just do E and the number two to indicate two whole beats or E and the number three. I just, I truly believe there's an easier way to, uh, to, to write music, uh, at least for melodies, uh, with a new system than uh, Braille music notation. I'm by no means an expert at it, but I've heard people say it's quite difficult. So. Well, that's, that's, that's neat. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for the question. Yeah, that, that and then, Probably need to close it soon, but yeah, we honestly, have three minutes left. I was just going to give you your three-minute warning. <laughs> thank, thank you, Terry. You're welcome. Um, yeah, so it really—I uh, want this to be my legacy. I've gotten well since the beginning of the year. I've gotten about ten blind students. Uh, I have one in Ireland, all across the U.S., and I've been on quite a few podcasts lately. So uh, it's such—it's just so very rewarding. I know I'm repeating myself, but it's important. I love quotes. And one of the quotes I love is, you know, uh, people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And I really care about my students. You know, they're like friends. They are. They're like friends. And when they quit after three years or five years, I'm like, oh, man, you know, we're having fun and there's still a little more to learn, you know, but I know I've changed for the, for the better, you know, music, uh, people's lives through music. And so I call it selfish, but it's extremely rewarding for me as well. So to make a living doing what I love is, is a real gift, right? You do what you love, 
you don't work a day in your life. I, I work hard, but I, I love what I do. So if you're, if you're interested at all, again, no obligation. Um, I can potentially improve the quality of life for you. Have, have some fun making music. So thanks for that heads up, Terry. I appreciate that. And thank you, Belinda, for your hard work. And uh, thank you for everyone who's uh, listened to this presentation. I will try and do new things each time every Thursday. Uh, but please go to uh, Piano Web, one word, pianoweb.com and or blindpianolessons.com and you'll see um, examples of my blind students playing and examples of how I teach different ways. So again, thanks to everyone. And I do appreciate someone saying, we already heard this, believe it or not, even though slightly touched my ego, but I don't care. I just, I can't tell who's listening. So somehow I have to work on that. Okay. But thank you everyone for uh, your time and listening and uh, enjoy your Labor Day weekend. <laughs>